Will Scotland qualify for the Euros? Are more cup finals going to penalties than ever? And would you swap hearts for lock-end YFC? Find out on this week's episode of the Youth Football Podcast. We're back. Episode 7 of the Youth Football Podcast, a dynamic duo. Are back more importantly. I'm your host, Adam Benny, joined by my co-host who's been patching us for weeks, Robbie McDonald. It's the return of the Mac. Robbie, tell our lovely listeners, where on earth have you been? I mean, you say I've been patching you for weeks. I've only actually missed one episode of this podcast, but I was away in Spain with our producer Stuart. We were doing a little futsal tournament, the same one that me and me and you completely covered ourselves last year, Adam. And then I went to Prague for a few days, got to see the glorious playoff final in sunny Czech Republic, and then a wee week in Kavos. You, you, see the glo- you see the glorious playoff final. I think a lot of people were in Prague watching the Europa Conference League final, but you opted to watch Ross County versus Partick Thistle instead. Yes, I will. I also got to have a little gander at the Conference League final, but that was absolutely nothing in comparison to the Scottish playoff second leg. Possibly the greatest comeback that football's ever seen. Oh, that's a bit of a shred, you know, come on. Three, 20 minutes to go, 3-0 down, about to get relegated and pull it back to absolutely dominate this somewhat supposedly big park thistle. Robbie, I'm I'm not having this right. So I'm 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 delighted for Ross County. You know my previous ties with the club as well. Absolutely wanted Ross County. Really wanted Ross County to stay up. Honestly, did and really happy for the club. Delighted about that. Great comeback. Maybe not the best comeback of all time. But I'm not having this underdog part. You you you're the Premiership club chat and Partick Thistle the Championship club. I get form, but I'm just not having this underdog story. And I know Malky was trying to he was trying to tell us all that oh Ross County are always underdog in every game, blah 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 blah. But look at look at County's budget compared to Partick Thistle's. I'm just simply not having the underdog story. Well, the thing is, neither am I. I I, I went into this game <laughs> as well, but then everybody <laughs> their dog came out and said Partick were going to win, which kind of suited me fine, but. Well, the first leg kind of showed why we were supposedly underdogs and absolutely horrific performance that I was in person for. But I was happy to bask in the sunshine to watch the superb comeback. Yeah, you've been all over the world. After Prague, where'd you go, Sam? Went to a wee week in Kavos with the boys from home. That was a, a slightly different holiday to the other two, but enjoyable nonetheless. <laughs> How about yourself? Yes, um, also been been very busy. Um, spent four days in Salou with the the uni football team on a supposed um, Strathclyde Uni men's football tour, um, a tour that consisted of zero football, zero training, um, and plenty of refreshments. Let's say um, taking place instead of and and said that because you know hydration is really important, does it? Yeah, exactly. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was our, our priority. Um, I don't I don't think many teams do preseason the way that the way we do it at SUFC. So that 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 was a priority. Got back from that on the afternoon of last Wednesday and had to go straight to my graduation ball straight after. So I was feeling absolutely horrific. But now that that's done, that my grad ball's done. That's that's me, a, a fully grown man now, Robbie. That's scary, mate. I'm I'm now too old, and that that's when you finish with uni. I'm now a fully working man. 
What's the plan now then? Plan is um try and avoid Robbie McDonald um because I'm no longer a student. I can try and maybe stay away from from Glasgow as much as I can, so I don't I don't need to see you. But we'll, I'm gonna have to look at your ugly face through this camera every Tuesday. I'm glad I'm glad it's an audio podcast that gets put out. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm glad for the for the listener's sake as well. But Robbie, interestingly, in that that Ross County game, a couple of a couple of young boys playing. Dylan Smith, of course, has has been there. Um, for for a long time, this the seventeen year old. He's he's ta- he's taken all the the plaudits this season. But there was a new face in in that second leg playoff. A young sixteen year old came off the bench, making his debut, and but well, in fact, definitely the biggest game of the season. Yeah, ridiculous. Banged on and on about Dylan Smith. Unfortunately, he didn't really cover himself in glory in the first leg. Yeah, it was, I don't know why there's been so many complaints that's not a red. It was quite clearly last band. But on a slightly more positive note, Jamie Williamson, 16 years old, coming off the bench to make his debut. And yeah, what you were saying, the biggest game of the season in extra time, he replaced Alex Samuel, who himself had basically run himself to the ground in the 90 minutes. So we did, we did need that fresh legs on to come on and just kind of say out the game for penalties. But what's meant with Jamie is that he never actually... He's never even trained with the first team. It was like, county don't have, we don't have an under 20. Like, since COVID, we don't have an under 20s. We've just got like four or five players who are all out on loan. You're like, so like Adam McKinnon and Matthew Wright and that, they're all out on loan at teams like Montrose and Falkirk. So when we had a couple of injuries coming into this last game and there had to be, like, we just didn't have enough players to fill the bench. So Malky basically went to Gary Warren, who's the coach of the under 18s, and went, like just give us give us your best player. So I'll step Jamie to come on the bench and to be fair, I was quite I was quite I thought he might have had to take a penalty with how, how that shootout was going, but luckily luckily we got it done before that. Oh, can you imagine? No, Robbie, I, I just need to know what were you doing at sixteen years old? I know you weren't oh, uh, you definitely weren't playing for Ross County. What were you doing in your life? What was I doing at six at sixteen years old I was playing in the Inverness Street League, which was uh, <laughs> An absolute. The less said about the less said about that, the better. Trying to avoid getting punched while playing football is never a, a good way to go. Yeah, fair play, young Jamie. We've got lots to get through in this podcast. Of course, we'll be spending a bit of time talking about some of the cup finals that we've taken in over the last couple of weeks. Of course, cup final season, I believe, is ending this weekend. I think this will be the final week. Seems like God, we're going deep into June. It seems later and later um, every year, but 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 keep them coming. I think this will be the the last weekend of of the big cup finals from across the football um, game. Of course, we'll have a little chat about the national team as well, Robbie, of course, tonight. Um, Scotland facing Georgia. By the time this goes out, the game will have already taken place. So we're, so we're doing this podcast nice and early because we're already getting far too nervous that we wouldn't be able to record this if it gets any closer to kick-off time. Um, and of course, um, we'll have a special guest, as always, Declan Fergus from Declan Fergus Coaching Academy will come and speak to us later this afternoon. He's the the, the head of the youth section at Lockend YFC. Plenty of experience across the youth game, the grassroots game, and of course, um, involving some pro youth setups as well. So it'll be interesting to hear um, from Declan and the success of his coach coaching academy as well as Lockend YFC. But Robbie, the big one tonight: Scotland versus Georgia at Hamden. It's going to be a silly question, but have you got yourself a ticket? I have indeed got myself a ticket. That is, of course, why we're doing this podcast early. I need to get myself into the mood for a, a, to be honest, I think it's going to be a bit of a party at Hamden tonight. I don't want to, I know George is a bit of a, an old foe. I remember them from the 2016 campaign, basically breaking all our hearts, but 
it's a different Scotland team now. And after that incredible game at the weekend, I think that we should have it in us to get a decent result here. Yeah, that that game at the weekend was was incredible because I was I was watching and do, do you know that way you're, like you're watching the game on the telly and it's just it never looks like we're gonna score. It just didn't look like we we're gonna score and it's like four minutes to go. And I, I remember um I was I was I was watching it with my friend at the pub and a friend turns to me and goes, "Why on earth are we bringing on Kenny McLean when we need to score?" And <laughs> of course, Dykesy puts one in and then he lays it off Kenny McLean. With a, mi- a minute to go, rolls it in with his weaker right foot as well, and oh my god, place that the pub was absolutely bedlam at that point. But you talk about about comebacks and how great Ross County's comeback was. Surely the Scotland one was better, Robbie boy. Come on, that's bigger. That's much bigger. I don't care about your club allegiances. That that means everything to everyone in this nation. It might have been a bigger, it might have been a bigger game. It's not a bigger comeback, but I cannot. <laughs> it was incredible, an incredible week. In scorers, scorers, born in Carvos. I was the friend who was ranting and raving when Kenny McLean came on. Like I said, <laughs> I think we're more likely to lose now that he's on the park, and then steps up in the final minute and tucks it away. But I think, to be fair, I the plaud that should be given to London Knights goal and an assist in. I believe from kickoff to the goal after the second goal, it was like 35 seconds. Absolutely incredible from the Scottish, well, Australian Scottish striker. Yeah. What I really don't get is the the, the kind of snobbery around Kenny McLean. Because Kenny McLean has never let himself down in a Scotland trip. You think when he came on against Spain, he played in that kind of like auxiliary left wing back position towards the end done brilliantly was he not the one that scored the winning penalty against Israel as well in the playoff semi-finals back in the day he's I think Kenny McLean has had a great Scotland career without ever being um, a starter he's never let himself down in this squad and, and it, I, honestly I, I can't understand why there is there is so much snobbery around I, I do think that our fans are very quick to criticise players that play in the English Championship um, the, the same happens with Lyndon Dykes like exactly another example of a player the Scotland fans love to hate at times um, or, or on the other hand, hate to love, because it seems like any player that, that plays in that division, I think there's a lot of Scottish fans who have this belief that players playing in the Scottish Premiership are playing at a higher level than those in the Championship. Therefore, the Scottish Premiership players should be prioritised. Whether or not that's the case, I'm not. I'm not too sure. But what what I would like to say is, absolutely, those two boys have never done themselves any harm in a Scotland shirt, and absolutely yeah, deserve their place in the squad every single time. Yeah, we see it time and time again. You remember. Back in the day, Chris Martin coming on, coming on to rescue the game against Slovenia, gets booed onto the park and then scores the winner with two minutes to go. I think we, we do have a history of that in Scotland. I think the thing with Kenny McLean is he's probably not the type of player that you think is going to come on and win you the game, like you were saying, and like you were saying against Spain, he's very good at coming on and like uh, kind of helping to see out a performance. But you're completely connected with what you're saying. He's he's never really let himself down. I don't remember any major mistakes in a Scotland jersey. And I think, yeah, it's about time we get on the Kenny McLean train. Absolutely. Well, tonight is is the big one. Of course, like every Scotland fan, we've all been looking through the, the permutations now. Tonight, if Scotland win, um, then we assume that Norway take care of Cyprus and that Spain won their games in hand. There could actually 
it would be a situation where if we win tonight, we could qualify for the Euros in our next game in September <laughs> when we play against Cyprus. Because, well, listen, if, if we win, <laughs> Spain win their games in hand, which you would expect them to, Norway take care of Cyprus, which you would expect them to, it comes down to, we'll then be eight points clear of um, Norway, eight points clear of Georgia. The top two qualify, so let's forget about Spain for now. That would be eight points clear with four games to go. If we then beat Cyprus, we're obviously 11 clear, but but Norway and Georgia play against each other. So if they draw four games to go, we be 10 clearer than both. Uh, sorry, that would be three, three games to go after that. Three games to go, 10 clearer than both, we'd be, we'd be qualified. So come, come September, we could actually already be qualified for, for Germany. That's ridiculous. But especially after, after so long of like just campaign after campaign of just complete nothingness. It's absolutely ridiculous that we've got a chance to just wrap it up early, forget about the nerves, forget about playoffs, forget about penalty shootouts and drama, just get ourselves to Germany, get the flights booked, and I'll see you over there, Adam. Yeah, yeah but Robbie, if, if there's one thing we know about Scottish, uh, Scottish people is we don't do it the easy way. Um, no. So I, I, have a, I have a feeling yeah, that there's going to be a few, a few twists in the two before then. Absolutely, it's not going to be easy, but but look, um, it's, it's been a great time for Scottish football um, as a whole. We've been watching a lot of a lot of grassroots football towards the end of the season, Robbie. A lot of love this time of year when there's cup finals on almost every night. It doesn't matter which town you live in in this this country, you can go and watch a great game of football that means so much to so many people. Um, wherever you are, almost every, every night of the week, you find the local Astro. There's probably a cup final on it. Um, I just wanted to talk a little bit about the, the under-13s um, Glasgow and District YFL League Cup um, that took place just at the weekend there. Um, Bayless and Thistle winning that one 3-1 against Scotland Boys Club. Um, I believe we had Jack Gilmore out of, out of that game. Just a, a, a fantastic report for us. Um, but th- this one is... It was, it was interesting, of course. So you have, you have, you have Bayless and Thistle go, go to and goals from, from, from Jackson Napier and, and Lucas O'Malley. Uh, Tyler Lee Robbenheimer with 15 minutes to go then levels it. So Jack was telling me that it, it, it was almost like they were completely out of the game. And then they score. And then you're thinking, could this be a wee Scotland number on the cards? They get a goal out of nothing, 15 minutes to go. And then you, 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 need, you need to see the goal. I don't know if you, you have had the chance to see it, Robbie. But oh, the man, Lucas O'Malley, steps up. Five minutes to go wraps a free kick right into the top bins to make it 3-1 settles any nerves I love free kick goals in finals and it's, like, these matches are always always so so special because under 13s it is the first time that these boys play competitively for trophies it's the first year at 11 sides now, I remember that that um, being that age as well it's the age where that's all you talk about to your pals at school. So when every you're playing for points and you're playing for cups, you're playing for trophies, it means everything. And you don't think about anything else. I mean, come home after be greeting, you ruined your weekend. Can't even go to the Astros pals because I've just been <laughs> And if you win, it's like the biggest bragging, right? I mean, you can go around school the next the next week thinking you're thinking you're the big man and all the rest of it. So I, to watch the the scenes from from under 13's Cup final is always amazing. It means so much to me. And fair play to young Lucas O'Malley. But big shout out to the goalkeeper. Apparently the, the Bales and Thistle goalkeeper was was very, very, very busy. Kept this kept this side in it. And I think it's a that's that age group as well is also really, really tough for goalkeepers. But it, it gets to that stage where a, a lot of the goalkeepers they maybe can't touch the crossbar or the, yeah. the goals look far too far too big for them. Um you, you see a lot of long range efforts just going right over them. They can't beat it. So to hear a, a young goalkeeper get man in a match in, uh, 
and an under thirteen's cup final is, is is very very good. So well done to that young man of goals for for, for Bayless and Thistle. Great game. Congratulations to Bayless and Thistle. Commiserations to the Scotland Boys Club, another massive youth football club, a big institution of, of the youth game brought through many fantastic players. I'm sure I'm sure they'll bounce back and get themselves in a couple more finals next year. But Robbie Boy, I believe you've got a a game you'd like to, to, to tell me about. I've, I wasn't at this game, I haven't had a chance to um, to read up on it, anything about it. So, so, so tell me, what have you got in store for us? Yeah, well, my replacement last week, Matt, of course, was at an absolute cracker at Broadwood. It was the under-18 <laughs> under Scottish Youth Football Association Central Regional Cup Final on Saturday. Oh, the Regional um, Cups are big in, man. That is... Oh. That's that. Other than the Scottish, of course, that's that. That's the next biggest one. Winning, winning yeah. the regional cup is huge. These are the players. You know, you know the other teams. You know the players in the other teams. There's plenty of bragging rights up for grabs, and yeah, it was an absolute cracker between East Kilbride Gold and Edelwood. East Kilbride took the lead twenty minutes in when Callum Brown neatly turned a fantastic delivery into the box, into the bottom corner. I understand this finish was pretty similar to. Harmon's equaliser against Thistle last week, but <laughs> yeah, we'll stop talking about Kenny for now. No, but but before we go on to that, do you know what's always baffled me? By the way, so I I, I played in the, the Central Region when I was younger. You just said Edelwood and East Kilbride. How is that anyone near the Central of Scotland? Yeah, it's a loose term. There's a lot. There's a lot of Glasgow and Edinburgh teams that you need to. Yeah, I mean. Like there is, like there's, there's so many teams from definitely the west of Scotland that should just not be playing in in the central regional cups. So I've like I was like I was in like the fourth valley area. So your, your Falkirks, your Stirlings, your Alawa, Clickmanninshire, and I get like yeah, come on old coast south areas like that, like the kind of northeast of 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 Glasgow, whatever. Yeah, but when you East Kilbride, come on, that's west. You're taking the absolute Mickey there. But I think if you if you were to put all the West teams into the West, that that cup would probably go on till about August. Yeah, fair enough. But they've got the Southwest region; they could just chuck all the Usher teams in that. That's true. Just you're just, just trying to keep the, you're just you're just wanting to keep you're just wanting to keep the good teams away from you. Yeah, there's there's, there's too many too many good teams in Lanarkshire, mate. That's why. <laughs> anyway, Aidan Malcolm then clipped the clipped the post just before half time and. Nearly doubled East Kilbride's advantage, but luckily for Elderwood, they managed to, heal, they managed to hold out. And luckily they did because they brought themselves right back into the game just five minutes in the second half. Uzen Hickey absolutely hammered the ball down the middle of the goal to equalise for his side. That's what, for, uh, uh, from the penalty spot, of course. And I was thinking, where, where do you put your penalties? Because I believe statistically down the middle is the best place to put them. Is it? Really? Yeah, oh, you, keep, you, you, you know, you know, you know you dive. Yeah, keepers usually dive. Yeah. It would I take... I don't have a bottle. I know. It would, take some, it would take some bottle from the keeper and just stand still. I know, I know. Oh, I can't do that. I can't do that at all. But East Kilbride didn't fold, though, as Adam McNulty took a touch on the right side and again powerfully smashed the ball into the back of the net. There was a bit of controversy, though, with this goal as the ref failed to spot what Matt describes as the country's smallest ever pitch invader. You've clearly never run on the pitch, Adam. But a wee, a wee, kid, ran onto the park, a wee kid ran onto the park before the ball went in, but luckily he was too small for the referee to even spot. Sorry about that, lads. <laughs> but just as it looked like they would be taking the trophy home, Ross Bremer got onto the end of a through ball and held, it, held his nerve brilliantly to slot past the keeper right before the end of the game. 
But sadly for Edelwood, it was all for nothing as East Kilbride won 4-3 on penalties with Aidan Wilson scoring the decisive kick to claim the trophy. I don't know if it's just because I always forget by the time it gets round to, to this year, but do you think there's been more cup finals going to penalties this year than ever? Feels like it. Yeah, Every right. game I'm getting through for YFS is just penalty shootout, penalty shootout. More work for me. But even even in even in professional games, at the World Cup final, playoff finals, yeah. like it's it just seems like oh, this year there's just like. <laughs> of course, you had to get that. In there. <laughs> but yeah, you're not. But it's it's, it's like it seems like these matches are always going to be decided by penalties, and I, I think you know what that's that's probably testament to the to the, the, the level of quality and, and the sides in, in the grassroots game that, you know, that they're so evenly matched. It is the two best teams that are making it to the final. And, um, when You shouldn't really be surprised that it goes all the way to penalties because because the two teams are are so so evenly matched. Maybe a little bit of nerves as well. Both teams maybe trying to take their luck with penalties rather than trying to go out to win the game. But maybe that's just a, a, a cynical view. Um, we were we were talking about a crazy game that Mark and myself got to watch at Celtic Park. Um, the Glasgow Skills FA Cup final. I think you were away at this this time, Robbie, but it finished one 0 on pens. <laughs> Ridiculous that. Yeah, like. <laughs> nine, nine pens, only one more score. Like, oh, I've never, I've never seen anything like that. Fair play, goalkeepers on fire. Like, fair, yeah, fair, fair, fair such a high it. level that as well. Yeah, yeah. Like, fair play, fair play to the young goalies. Nah, that's that smash. But you gotta love a, a a penalty shootout in a final. Do you, do you not think when you're watching the game as a neutral, it's an extra time you're always choking for penalties? Oh yeah, always. It's such a it's such a glorious way to end a football game. Um, but I believe now, um, after speaking about some of these fantastic, um, you've got finals we've we've been enjoying over the last few weeks. We can now invite Declan Fergus from Declan Declan Fergus Coaching Academy on to the program. You're, you're a busy man. You're a, a man of of many roles in, in the youth football industry just now. So tell us, for those who don't know, what do you do? Who are you? Well, firstly, thanks for having me, guys. And in terms of myself, I was um, an academy coach at Hearts and Falkirk. Um, I've now moved into my role at Lockend, where I can oversee a number of different roles and responsibilities, one of them being my own 09 team, and then kind of working a capacity to go into schools. Um, we've even been into different uh, things in local community, whether it be care homes, charity organisations, um, and I do a little bit of coach education at the club as well, so I really enjoy the role, to be honest with you. Yeah, and Declan, I believe you've got your own kind of coaching academy as well, the, the Declan Fergus Coaching Academy. Can you just tell us what, where the idea for that started and, and what it is you do with that business? Yeah, well, when I was about 21 uh, and I first got into football coaching, I realised I wanted to go full-time in it, and I thought if I balanced the academy role with my own private coaching academy, that would then offer the opportunity to be full-time, so... At that time, it was Hearts and the Declan Ferris Coaching Academy, and I've kept that going ever since, which will involve involve private sessions, camps, small group sessions, and trips abroad. What What made you want to get What made you want to get into coaching at such a young age? Well, my dad's a football coach, so a lot of people I was surrounded with when I was brought up were involved in football and in coaching. So it was quite a smooth transition for me to then progress into that myself. And I'm quite interested, before we get into the, the kind of more detailed stuff about lock-in, you said you were at Hearts and Falkirk prior to that, of course, involved in the, the kind of pro-youth at, at academy set-up. There, what, what made you leave that environment? What was so appealing about moving to, to, to lock-in and, and, and getting out of that setup? Yeah, well, I joined Hearts at 22, which was really young, and I was there for five years. 
and it was fantastic to be honest. Uh, I really enjoyed it, but I seen it as an apprenticeship, and I know that might sound a little bit kind of alien to other people. I mean, if I go into a local social setting, and a few years ago, if I was to say a coach for Hearts, it gathers a lot of interest. If I say now uh, a coach for Lock End, people are, are not interested. But in my own world, um, and if you understand and know football, you realise that sometimes actually being involved in a grassroots club or with your own private academy can have more involves having more strings to your bow, uh, a bigger skill set. You know, at Lock End, I'm responsible for all the organisation, all the recruitment, all the coaching curriculum, all the plans and principles are put in place. Whereas at Hearts, you've got the luxury of having a scouting department, physios, video uh, analysts, the whole shebang. So it actually takes a little bit away for you. Um, but it was a great time, great time at Hearts. I really enjoyed it. Was there anyone in particular at Hearts that was a kind of an inspiration to you or a, a, another coach perhaps, one of the, the older boys put an arm around your shoulder and, and really helped you? Well, you know what? The, when I was at Hearts, the time I was there, it was a great group of coaches, whether it be the under-12s, 13s, 14s, 15s, 16s coaches. They were all good. Um, we got on really well with one another. So I would say that we just kind of bounced off each other and, and learned off one another. What's kind of been the main difference you've noticed from making that transition of you like from being a, a kind of younger coach, one of the younger teams in an academy set up to now having this increased responsibility at, at lock end where you're, you're in charge of, I'm going to assume, a, a much higher volume of players now? Yeah, well, I still, I mean, in coaching, I'm still in my 20s. So in coaching, I would believe I was still young. But as you say, now being in it for a few years and I'm more, um, not a senior role, but a, a role with more responsibility, so it becomes interesting because really all you're using is, is past experience. I mean, in coaching, you, I could have somebody in their 40s, 50s, 60s come up to me for tips and advice and age becomes something that just goes out the window. Um, but I've been able to gather and gain those experiences and I try and utilise them in the right manner. And I really enjoy being able to give a little bit of coach ed, put on CPD days uh, and, as I said, just giving general advice uh, at what I see fit, whether it's dealing with parents, dealing with players, how to further increase your ability to recruit, types of coaching sessions I feel would be best, um, or whatever it may be. Yeah, successful season, I believe, for the 13s and 14s at Lock End. Can you talk us through some of those those successes? Yeah, it was great. I mean, with the 0-9 team that I've got, I only just started them in 2021, so two years. So, again, still a fairly new team, a new squad. We won, would it try to sound like, Ange Postacoglu here, but we won the tre- well, we won the treble, which was great. Um, and then the team below us, the 2010s, they won a double. So, and you football lock end is probably a team that's just recently on the rise, probably because of what as a as a group we are doing there. I mean, I grew up; it was obviously your Hutchie Tiny's Adinas, and nowadays, um, I think the the tor- torch has been passed a little bit and clubs that are willing to invest in coach education or the quality of their coaches or spend a little bit more time on it, they're reaping reward. Um, there's a few that come to mind that have got a lot of success now at youth level and I like to think that Lock End are now one of those clubs as well. That's a really interesting point. I want to touch on that. So not only is it important to invest in facilities and, and, and bring, bringing through all the best young players from, from an early age, you think it's just almost as equally as important as putting the same amount of time and investment in coaches as well, because ultimately those are the guys that are going to be bringing through your players. Yeah, I mean, I might sound biased. I think it's actually more important because you can have whatever level of talent of a player. If you've got the right coaches there, they will harness that talent and, and further progress it. 
you know, the amount of wasted potential I've seen, which in football can be a number of factors. That can be the kids' own choices. It could be parental influence. Um, it could be who he's surrounding himself with or even mentality or something. But if he's got the right coaches, which then become the right role models, who are then giving him the information or the platform to progress, I think it's key. So if it was me making the calls at a higher level, I'd put a much bigger focus on coaching um, ability and coach education. And you, were talk- you were talking about how Lockhead are kind of like breaking the mould there. Do you think, what kind of things have you been doing differently to how other teams might have been doing so in the past? I think it's it's attention to detail and I, I don't want to um, belittle or badmouth anyone because some of the boys club and grassroots coaches in Scotland are just volunteers, they're just dads and I admire that. That's massive in its own capacity. But if you can get the right investment in coaches, whether it be time and the amount of hours they're putting in, whether it's holding CPD days or coach education days or a simple one, but what I think can be extremely effective is, is just feedback. You know, if coaches are able to um, deliver sessions, gain feedback, what was good about it, what could you do better, or just sometimes a simple question and question answers. People just crave feedback, whether it's a 55-year-old man or whether it's a nine-year-old kid. They need feedback. Um, and if you can give them the right type of feedback, they'll learn and grow from it and become better. Do you think we're doing enough with our, our coaches, Declan? Because we, we, we saw recently West Ham won the Europa Conference League. David Moyes, a Scottish manager, I feel like even further back, Sir Alex Ferguson, Matt Busby, Bill Shack. There's been so many amazing Scottish managers throughout history, but it seems like we've hit almost a kind of a kind of stumbling block. There's not that many Scott, young Scottish managers coming through in the in, in the top flight in Scotland and, and, and down in England. Do you think we're doing enough? And if, if not, what can we do to improve that? It's a hard one to pinpoint because I actually think about this a lot because I'm a massive Sir Alex Ferguson fan. I talk about him all the time. I reread his books a lot. And when I do reread the books, a lot of things he was a success on, the sort of foundation of his success was things like his upbringing, the principles he grew up on, whether it was from from his father, um, you know, hard work, energy, enthusiasm, timekeeping he mentions a lot. I don't know if in Scotland when we're on these courses, they're trying to make us become something else. Something I don't like a lot is, you know, they're like, let's follow the German model, let's follow the Spanish model, the Icelandic model. Why not follow the Scottish model? You know, do what makes us good. Do what we've grown up with and in the past, we've had the most successful managers in the world. Why go away for that, chasing something else? Wow. So you you think perhaps if... if if higher authorities are, are looking at this and, and coach education, we should be, you know, focusing more on, as you said, the, the, the kind of principles that Sir Alex Ferguson was, was, was brought up on. Yeah, I mean, on just what we're brought up on, you know, yeah. what works for Scottish kids, what works for Scottish coaches. We're a strong, good, proud, passionate nation. Let's let's make that more. Let's talk about ourselves more. Be more confident, assured and ourselves, don't go try to copy some Icelandic model because they had success at Euro 2016. Have they had success since that? Uh, not really. Why? So I wouldn't copy that. I'd be big on creating our own principles and make other countries want to follow that. What's next for you, Declan? What's, what's, what's the big goal here? Of course, I'm sure you'll be an ambitious guy, um, just not long started your Euro, but what, what's, what's the ultimate goal? You know, I get asked that a lot and... See, when I was younger at 22, 23, I probably had a plan in place that was this, this, this. And to be honest, I actually ticked a lot of those things off. This is probably the time that I'm most settled 
you know, I really enjoy the role at Lockend. I love working with that team that I've got. Um, as I say, I just started them in, in 2021. Um, we've now had success in just our second season, the second year together. There's no reason why I can't keep that team going another year or two. I would then maybe go and take a younger team again and, and try and repeat the same journey. I enjoy the role at Lockend. They're working with different teams, different coaches, going into schools during the week. Um, there's a couple trips abroad lined up. I mean, I've done a lot more of that in the past, but hopefully picked it up again. So there's no real answer to that. It's probably more of the same, but, but growing that and progressing that and, and where that where that's going to be um, or where there will be growth within that, I don't know. But um, things are always going to have to evolve. So it's really just looking at that. But I'm really enjoying that role, to be honest. Yeah, I, I know this, this question is, is, is not the, the be-all and end-all, but we, we do have to ask it because it interests a lot of kids. You've worked in the pro-youth environment and in a, in a boys' club environment. What are the main differences and, and, and what do players need to do differently if they would like to try and make that step up? Yeah, so I used to, I used to always get told to avoid that, that question. <laughs> but now, now I'm working on the other side, so I have no real uh, hesitation in answering that. For me, and I've spoken about this a lot over the last season or two, the sort of excitement of the competitive football, you know, as I said earlier, you win the, you win the treble with it. I mean, the boys I've got on that team, they'll remember that for the rest of their life without trying to sound too cliche here. Yeah. It's memories, it's enjoyment. I mean, the, the buzz from it. Academy football doesn't involve any of that. I, I know they've, they've now incorporated the cast cup, but teams, and again, I don't want to quote it on, on it really, but bigger teams, rather than mention them then, have fielded like weaker teams in the cast cup. They're using it for different reasons. When I'm in the Scottish Cup at lock end, I'm not fielding a weaker side and I don't think anybody <laughs> in their right mind is. So... The, compet- the allure of the competitiveness in grassroots football, the crowds we got at some of the finals was fantastic. And I don't know if, and again, it's not academy bashing because I think that's got a lot of pros and plus points as well. But when I've been involved in academy football, you could go 2 0 up against Celtic and there's a small little applause for a couple of parents and nobody really cares if you win, lose, or draw. It, really, they'll say to you, How did a couple of players play? Did they play well? I'm like, Yeah, they done well. They went, That's all that matters. Which, might be the wrong answer. I just like the, the I like the team ethic. I like the competitive drive, and I, I think players crave that. Another thing is, if you've got a player at Hibs Hearts Celtic Rangers at fifteen, and you're saying that winning, losing, or drawing or doesn't really matter. If he makes his first team debut at seventeen and he goes into an Edinburgh derby, he's got fifteen thousand fans screaming at him to win. He must win. So I don't know if we're preparing them correctly for that transition to first team football. Um, and there's been other games where I played against a weaker opposition and they'll continuously roll the ball out from the back and play short, which they think is the right thing to do. It'll go 6-7-0. They'll continue to do that. I think that's bad coaching. I, I do. I know everybody will go, you've got to play short, you've got to play Pep Guardiola. If I'm the manager of Aloha Athletic or Albion Rovers and I play Celtic in a cup, I'm going long. I'm playing off second balls. And a lot of coaches might not say that because... They don't think it's ticking the right box. It's reality. You've got to do what's best for the players at your disposal to try and win that game. If I'm Celtic, yeah, I'm probably going to play short and have 17 passes before we uh, reach the opposition half or the opposition box. But if you're a weaker side, you've got to do what's best for you. And I think at academy football, everybody's trying to play the same way with a short football, they're rolling it out. Some teams are losing 7-0. They're telling their players it's the right thing. I'm not sure it is. And I don't know if you're preparing them correctly. Yeah, you, you might have, you, you might have just touched on it there, Declan. But I, I want to f- finish on finish on this one. 
what would your advice be to, 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 to any to any young coaches looking to try and pave a way for themselves in, 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 in the Scottish game? What, what, what would you say to them? Maximise your own qualities. Don't be a, a robot or don't try to be someone else. Similar to what I'm saying with the, with the Scottish theme in terms of coach curriculum or coach education, be your own man, be yourself. What works for you? I mean, so, so if you take the top flight football, Carlo Ancelotti is completely different from Diego, Diego Simeone, but they're coaching at a very similar level. There's no reason why they couldn't meet in a Champions League semi-final, you know, they're meeting in La Liga for, for big games. There's no right or wrong. What works for me doesn't work for someone else. Um, Diego Simeone embodies energy, enthusiasm, intensity. Carlo Ancelotti's calm, composed, quite analytical with his thoughts. So don't try and copy some robotic form of what you've been told is the right way to coach. The right way to coach is what's best for you and for your players at your own disposal. Um, so find out what that is and then progress that. If it's energy, enthusiasm, intensity, go do that. Don't worry about what someone else's opinion is. Um, and see what works best for your players. I've no, never found a player that doesn't like well done, being told they've done something well. I've never found somebody's looked across saying, why are you saying that to me? They like praise. Um, but at the same time, you know, if they're doing something wrong, I believe, tell them. Don't, don't sugarcoat things. I always say the same tone of voice that will praise you will be the same tone of voice that tells you to up it. So, you know, don't uh, allow them to live in this fairy tale world. Declan, thank you very much for, for your time. That's, that's inspired me. I want to play for you now. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get you along. We'll get you along to the end. I'm not sure. I know I might look at it, but I'm not sure if I'm in the 14s category anymore. We'll sort the birth certificate. We'll get that sorted. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much again, again for your time. Thanks. And we wish yourself and the, the, the Lock End 09s all the best for the upcoming season. Thank you very much, guys. It's been a pleasure and thanks for having me. No problem at all. Thank you, Declan. Declan. Thanks Thank very you, much. guys. Cheers. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you very much to Declan for giving up his time to speak to us this afternoon. Fantastic to hear from him. As I said, Robbie, I'm going to play for him now. I'm feeling, feeling a little oh, bit, you know, you know, excited. He's a passionate, he's a passionate man. He's ready, he's ready to go to war for that man. Get me signed for lock end, honestly. <laughs> Fantastic. No, great to hear from him. Um, great to hear from yourself, Robbie, finally after patching me for a number of weeks on your various uh, expeditions. And glad to know you've missed me, Adam. I believe you might you, you might be away again very soon. Uh, can you can you tell our, our lovely listeners where you're off to? Sadly, we're we're going back to Glasgow Airport tomorrow. A quick quick flight down to London, and then we'll get on a flight to Hong Kong. A few days over there before a month in Seoul. So it might be a, I might be getting up early for these podcast recordings on the time difference. Oh, honestly, the, the, I think I'm sure I'll see plenty of you over there. I think there's going to be an inquiry into your wages because I don't know how you're affording all of these trips abroad. A month in South Korea doesn't sound like it's going to be very cheap. Um, so I, do you know I what? I call a call for an increased pay package. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll be um I'll be on the phone to to the gaffer tomorrow morning to find out how you can afford all of this, and I'm sure we're going to get out of Denny. So, well, no, no, I'll, I'll sort that out. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. Heard about your travels, I think, I, think, I think the gaffer has his favourites, but it's all right. We'll, we'll make sure to clear all of that up by the time we get to episode eight. So once again, thank you very much to all of our listeners for joining us for episode seven of the Youth Podcast. Do not miss it. We'll be out every Wednesday. We'll be back next week for episode eight. Can't wait to see you there.